magic, murder, problematic misogynistic undertones? Join us as we delve into one of Britain's best-loved TV shows. So grab your duffel coat, don your curly wig, and dig up that 90s character actor as we welcome you to Podcast Macabre, the Jonathan Creek Podcast. Hello! Hello everyone, welcome back to Podcast of Macabre, the Jonathan Creek Podcast. This week we're looking at the episode The Amiga Man. Absolutely, season three, episode three. Uh, and we are also into week three of lockdown. Lockdown, <laughs> we should make a jingle for that really, shouldn't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. <laughs> um, I hope everyone's keeping safe, I hope everyone is bloody staying inside. No, we right. Brockley Park closed today. Brockwell Park, Bro- yeah. yeah. Brockwell. Yes, um, uh, but on the whole, it does sound like people are observing the social distancing measures, so keep it up, guys. Um, and uh, yeah, just enjoy making the most of time that you wouldn't normally have, yeah. I think. Make, making the best of it. Uh, and we're doing very useful things, aren't we? Yeah, we are, like making podcasts. Like making podcasts. Um, Not yeah. just Jonathan Creek podcasts. No, absolutely. Um, we've uh, been really pleased at the reaction to our Patreon. We've... Uh, had quite a few flooding in over the last couple of days. So um, our Tales of the Unexpected, our first one. That was really um, fun. Yeah, that's already live. So uh, if you guys haven't listened to that um, and you want to hear us uh, talk about something else, um, <laughs> possibly slightly more complimentary way than we do here, um, <laughs> do go check that out. And um, over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a few more, a uh, couple of films people have asked us to look at. Um and things like that. So yeah, we're really excited about getting those out there for you. Um, Genuinely really looking forward to it. Especially there are a couple of things that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple of films that you haven't seen either. Yeah. Um, that will be really fun. So yeah, look at ab- things with a fresh eye. Absolutely. So um, yeah, again guys, it is in the um, biog of the episode. Uh, so do click on the Patreon link uh, if you have any spare change. Chuck us a fiver and get us to record something. Because we're absolutely up for doing it about anything. Um, so yeah, we've got a couple of, uh, as always, bits of business bits before of business. we dive in to the episode. Parish pumps, as a director <laughs> used to refer to them as. <laughs> Funny parish pumps. Um, so, uh, uh, Bob, uh, uh, Bob Smith, who's yes. a big fan of us, uh, got in touch just to say some lovely words, uh, about, um, the last episode, uh, and, um, was talking, uh, about, um, he had the same thing about couldn't believe uh, Rebecca Front's lack of excitement about discovering accidentally someone that has the exact thing that she's looking for uh, has been yeah. let down by. So I'm glad we're not the only ones there that sorry Rebecca that, but, you uh, know. realized that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and also uh, Lisa on Twitter, um, uh, who's uh, another one of our listeners. Uh, she's a sexual health nurse. Um, so we got a bit of medical mm-hmm. uh, info for you, an update from uh, the Black Canary now. If you guys remember when we were watching it, both Cam and I were quite confused as to what cytology. Yeah, was. I, I looked it up. I yeah. thought I was doing my research, and yeah. all I found was a spelling of cytology beginning with a P, mm. um, and it didn't seem to have any kind of relevance. But yeah. Lisa had a different take. Yeah, um, uh, she she just said, uh, "Hi, me again, being a pedant." Uh, she says, "In the Black Canary, Charlotte studied cytology, and that's C Y T O cytology, which is looking at the structure of cells." finding abnormalities, etc. An example is cervical cytology, which is examining the cells collected in smear tests. 
So there you are. So there you go. It is a real thing. I'm um, slightly disappointed it wasn't the obscure um, genre of rap that I found. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we'll bow to the superior knowledge of Lisa. Thank you for getting in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I'd just like to pick up something I said last week as well. Um, uh, sadly, no one got in touch, but I remembered on my own. So I didn't need oh, you guys. Well done. Um, I said... <laughs> The guy, um, the guy that played uh, Craig Downey, I was convinced yeah. I'd seen in the bill. Yeah. Uh, now I, uh, I thought he looked like a young wrench. Yeah. No, I, I remembered what it is and why I had him as uh, in a police uniform. He was uh, one of the prison wardens in Bad Girls. He was like uh, the main, yes. the main antagonist of Bad Girls. Uh, that's that's what I remembered. Him I mean, from. what a show, Bad Girls! Oh, great! Bad Girls, the musical, however, far superior piece of art. I mean, how does that get in the Garrick for six months? <laughs> but yeah, there we go. Um, so yep. Yeah, so without further ado, crack on into dive into the Omega Man, and we open. With a close up on a theatre poster, yeah, uh, and people coming out of it. It's obviously just finished, and it's a production of The Odd Couple by <laughs> Neil Simon. Um, uh, sadly, uh, no longer with us. Um, and uh, there are some names on the poster, and it says Steve Martin and Harrison Ford yeah. underneath it. But the gag, which <laughs> to be honest, I think is quite a funny gag, it's quite a good visual style yeah. gag. So Maddie and Jonathan come out, and they're kind of slamming the show saying it was terrible um and maddie says oh i bet uh steve harrison and martin ford are going to make a quick getaway <laughs> so see the gag is the placement yeah. of the names you could read it that way i think well. it is a good i think i agree with you it's a well-constructed gag yeah. i the one thing i mean it's that... been three seasons and three episodes he was due one wasn't he? <laughs> he was he was due one um but I, I i'm also a little bit um interested into like steve martin Famous for for doing really really good Neil Simon scripts, you know they they mm-hmm. they, they work. Harrison Ford isn't really known <laughs> yeah. for his witty American New York Jewish retorts. Is I he? mean I mean I I mean although he you know he could play um um is it Felix the the uptight kind of oh, okay, early yeah. one I think and Steve Martin yeah. Playing the sort of uh, more laconic one, yeah, I could see that. And also, it was for the new theatre, mm. um, and I don't know if that what maybe there was a theatre in London called the New Theatre. I mean, at the that only, time there's one. There's Stratford Upon Avon's the only, uh, and Oxford. Uh, and the Oxford o- new used to be called well, the Apollo. Is now called yeah. the New Theatre. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know what theatre that was. No, but um, it's interesting that since that episode's been made, two theatres have been renamed the New Theatre. I don't think that's a good... Was it the influence of David Rennick and Jonathan Creek? We'll never know. Um, An interesting thing about this opening as well is that often the openings of the episodes somehow link to... And, and, but there's, there's, no, there's no reason why this happened. Absolutely no reason they needed to be coming out of the theatre, no. seeing that play. It could have opened on the next scene of him in Maddie's uh, flat. I don't well, know why we had this. Well, we. I, oh no! The reason hope, sorry, why is sorry, because the sinister John Shrapnel. They come out of the theatre yeah. and there's a sinister. I've written ominous bald man. Yeah. Uh, played by the lovely John Shrapnel. Yeah. Passed away two months ago. Yeah. Very sad. Age of seventy-seven. Um, brilliant character actor. You'll probably know him best as playing the manager in Notting Hill. Um, yeah. Of Roberts course. Manager. Yeah. She's uh, yeah, he's great, and brilliant really, in that. Incredible character, I've been in many things. Um, and uh, and there's plenty of character in this uh, coming <laughs> ah, from ah. Mr. Shrapnel. We'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, there's this close up of this ominous bald man in an alleyway mm. who's 
found out that these that Jonathan and Maddie have gone to see a play. I don't know why they have either, because it's not really the type of thing they do. It's, yeah. Yeah. And also it's just kind of a, a, a bit of a, like, that was awful. That was awful. Yeah. Like, they, I don't know why they went. Why did they go? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was apparently necessary so they could show a sinister man poking around a corner following Maddie. Um, um, and I've got, I want to come back to that in a bit. Um, but yeah. yeah, then you're right. We, we move on to where the episode should have started, yeah. which is in the flat. Yeah, which I, th- again, it's hard to know if it's a different flat or not. It, the layout feels different, but the colour scheme is definitely the same. Colour scheme is, it's that purple block it, colouring that you used to get on changing so rooms. I, maybe like she's just moved around her furniture. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's but the confusing. kitchen's got this weird half partition tiled wall, which was never there. So, so it's definitely... It's definitely a different flat to the flat in the previous yeah, episode yeah. where the two blokes. <laughs> yeah, turn not up. Compl- completely but, different to that. But I'm pretty sure it's the same episode. Um, it's the same flat as in the Black Canary when Jonathan gets the stuff. Not the Black Canary, the uh, Mr. Spearfish, uh, where right, Jonathan yeah. gets the details about the the tasers yeah and the the laser points oh, maybe. on the maybe. because the computer's in the same place and yeah but and looks, the, where the sofa is yeah um but but that's it doesn't help does it it doesn't help us like no. i feel like you're clutching at straws really kindly to point out that now the story is that Maddie has several properties. It's not that she moves, <laughs> it's that she has several properties that she just spends different amounts of time in, depending on the mystery. Um, um, and very yeah, uh, she's got a couple of very cute kittens cute that kittens. she's uh, rescued from uh, an animal shelter that's uh, financially on rocky ground, and that's going to yeah. come back to, at the end of the episode. Um I mean, I, I don't think you can say kit on kittens on any broadcast now without thinking of uh, cats and kittens uh, of the Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. Oh, guys, please, someone, someone donate five pounds so we can do a Tiger King podcast. I'm tempted to even just do it for free. But if we can get a five. All right. You just, lo- you just negotiate yourself out of a deal there. <laughs> have to cut that bit out. Uh, uh, we won that five pounds. Yeah. We're yeah, both yeah. unemployed. Yeah, you're quite right. <laughs> um, do, uh, please, if you have it, give us five pounds and we'll do a Tiger King podcast special it would take about three hours yeah um but it'd be worth every minute of it yeah two very cute kittens in a cage and it gives us this little um nod to maddie's friend who runs an animal sanctuary and it's yeah. sixty five thousand pounds uh, is what it's going to take for them to pay the rent on uh their um shop yeah. i think it's just a kind of a glaring indictment of um of high street rates which is just getting worse and worse um well, thank you for raising that david Manick. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I just, it's important. Just, Social politics is important. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, let's have some fun. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. okay. okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we then cut to uh, a sinister, again, uh, figure. Ominous bald man, yeah. Um, although it's weird because they make a point of not <laughs> showing him less than the first time they showed him. It's yeah. all we know who it is because you've already shown us it. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> obviously, that's going to be the same person that you've already shown from here. So why are you now trying to not show him when you've already shown him previously? Yeah. But fine. Um, uh, and anyway, it looks like he's going to break into Maddie's flat, but he doesn't. Uh, just drops a letter through. Yeah. Um, Maddie picks up the letter and it says uh, uh, an address. Van Radisson somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think I think the address is is E C 
something which is weird when we get to the place because it's absolutely not where the address it's, says it is. It's meant to be somewhere it's in central London. Abandoned empty warehouse yeah. that um doesn't exist um in central London. So that's uh And and Maddie decides to kind of keep this to yeah. herself. And it, it's from a Dr. Lance Grauman. Yes. Um who is played by John Trapp. And, uh, and 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 she she doesn't kind of tell Jonathan and and then she goes on the TV show with yes. Jonathan. So yes, yeah, so yeah, we should say there was a brief conversation with Jonathan and Maddie where we learn that they're going on a television program and Jonathan is making a fuss about why are you making me go on this TV program? Uh, you know how I I hate that kind of stuff. I'm really bad in public. I just freeze up, which is true of his character yeah. and everything we know of him at this point. I freeze up like a startled field mouse. Yes. However, they get on the television programme and apparently just Jonathan's got a different character now, so yeah. that's fine. He's charming, he's he's effervescent, it's showing all the like production crew and the, the interviewer. Um, interviewer all like fawning over him. And I'm like, right, so f- it's for the purposes of the gag of, of him supposedly lying to Maddie about what he's like in those situations mm. and so Maddie then gets annoyed at like oh I couldn't get a word in edgewise because you were holding court which is fine again for existing in the moment of that gag of Maddie to be annoyed but it yeah. betrays three seasons of of what they've told us Jonathan is that's not his character yeah also I I felt like the wasn't it wasn't Jonathan lying I think um the the show Jonathan Creek was influenced by the inter- the fictional interviewer's choice and the production team's choice to have Jonathan more prominent in the photo that was what <laughs> it was the backdrop that influenced the way Jonathan changed his character for the rest of the episode it was the picture i knew there was something there was something bugging me about that backdrop yeah. And at first I was like, is it because it looks like a far too permanent thing for a <laughs> yes. guest spot on the... Like, it's a whole painted wall of a yeah. backdrop. I was like, this is like a permanent piece of set. Why have you done this for one segment on some kind of... Probably something like the one show. Like, it feels yeah, like it's that, that kind of thing. thing. That's probably like a ten minute segment. And you've got a huge wall mural. And yeah, why is Jonathan the focus of it? Right, but... But, and, and, and we learned that actually throughout the episode... Jonathan is the one that uh, that everyone is a fan of. Right, no, right. That's right. the story. I'm, yeah, there. no, I've got, I've got, I've got some notes about that. Why? <laughs> what? How? How? How is? How does he become so famous so quickly? Especially in the year two thousand. Like we're not talking about social media and people being able to easily mm-hmm. share things. Like it took time back then, kids. <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> two thousand. It was so difficult to become famous. Sometimes you just didn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But now, apparently, all of the teenage girls of the UK are, are going crazy. He's like, you know, the take that of... Very popular. He's the Gary Barlow of magic. Magic. I mean, um, just... And, but also, more annoyingly, they don't talk about anything in the content of the book. I say more annoyingly... It's annoying for Maddie, who's getting really affronted by yeah. this, the fact that she's not the star and she's the writer and she discovered it and all the rest of it. Um, and uh, and that's that. And then she, he says, oh, do you want to go grab a bite to eat? And because she's annoyed, she says, no, I've got a red hot story uh, yeah. tonight and I'm not going to share it with you. And he goes, all right, fine then. So then we go to... Yeah, we go to the bunker, the underground... <laughs> Abandoned bunker. Yeah, just in the, the city. From, yeah, yeah, just around the corner from the new theatre. <laughs> yeah. It's in bet- it's in between the new theatre on the Strand 
and the city of the financial district of London. Yeah. Yeah. Underneath there, there's a big underground bunker. I also got a bit annoyed a bit like later on in the episode where Maddie's at a book signing. I got annoyed about the fact that the exterior shot was definitely like a market town that mm-hmm. wasn't London. I was mm-hmm. like, well, where, why, why? Is this set in London or is it not? <laughs> no, it's, it's set in the whole of England. Everywhere at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so she gets into this bunker and John Shrapnel's there with uh, his little friend. Assistant um, um, yeah. who, who, who speaks for him quite a lot. And yeah. He's very aggressive. Yeah. You're 11 and a half minutes late, she says. Yeah, and yeah, and she gives like his Wikipedia entry yeah. and he's just like grinning and I was like this is a weird set of setup. Well, it's a, colleagues. It, it's not it's it, why why would you do it? Like because it's exposition, David. That's yeah, why. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's let's make this character really weird so that we can get the backstory on these characters in half a page. That's why. <laughs> but I think but but one of my favorite lines from this scene is when George Shrapnel says my note to you last night was irresistible. Yeah, yeah. Was it? It was an address. It was literally, meet me at this address. But no, John, for, for the story of your life, I think. It, mm, not irresistible, though. I don't, it was yeah. quite a generic, like, yeah. abrupt to the point message. <laughs> I don't know why it was irresistible. but Yeah, um, I don't know why he was doing so much of his legwork when we've just found out he's got an assistant. Who throughout the yeah. rest of the episode does everything for him. Well, why was he stalking them twice? Then why was he hand-delivering a note, writing it himself, and the assistant's in on it? Well, I don't think she's doing much. What do you think their plan would have been if Maddie just hadn't gone? Oh, no, there's, no, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> like, we, we often talk on this podcast about, like, the, the, <laughs> the given circumstances really aren't given. They're really dependent on a lot of things aligning yeah. um, for people's plans to take off. And this is... Just full of so many different possibilities. Yeah. Um, yeah. But fine, luckily for them. Maddie decides does. to turn up. Also, like, why go to the trouble of following her to just to give her a note? Why not knock on the door I and know. be like, oh, yeah. Like, why not do that there at her house and say, I'm this person. I've got a story for you. Meet me tomorrow. Because that would be far more likely to get her there than an anonymous note through her door. Yeah, or just, you know who she is. Yeah. Which is why you've handpicked her as a journalist of weird crime. Yeah. And and weird mysteries. So just bring her up. Just, like, contact her weird agent manager. No, no. Get I... that Scottish guy to sort it out. <laughs> I don't know. He's done... What happened to him? I don't know. He died? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, well, Maddie died last episode and she's back. So... That's a good point, yeah. Um... Yeah, Maddie's dead. So, uh, actually, I know exactly who Dr. Lance Grantman should have phoned up. He should have phoned up Peter Davison's vicar from Dance Macabre that- because he found her address in the three hours between his mother-in-law being killed yeah. and getting to her. And he, dro- he, and, so, and he had to drive for yeah, some of that. Yeah. So Not for know, at least an hour and a half. Get, get in touch with him. <laughs> and he knows where everyone is. Um... <laughs> So yeah, yeah he, they, she arrives and he explains to her um, that he's this, well, she, his assistant explains what a great scientist he is and he's an expert in extraterrestrial life yeah. and, you know, believes in aliens. And uh, he says, um, I brought you here because sooner or later, this is going to be hushed up by the Americans and I need you to get some photos and put the story out there because people need to know what I've discovered. Yeah. And then suddenly... 
there is a spotlight that comes on on an alien in a box. Yeah. Now, yeah. who's doing the tech for that? Who's doing the tech for that? There's like, and then this spotlight comes down and it's like clearly barn doored off so it's nice yeah. and square yeah. and it matches the thing. Right, it's good It's good lighting design yeah. for an underground bunker in somewhere in miscellaneous London. Yeah, yeah. Why have they gone to the trouble of Why have they got lights? having a lighting design for this? It's bizarre, so weird. Really weird. Um, but it's yeah. lit very nicely and it's, it what is. is it, David? It's an alien skeleton and uh, in a box. In like a perspex box, mm-hmm. the skeleton of an alien, and this leads me on to something that annoys me in this episode, but also in a lot of sci-fi. Um, and it's, um, I mean, I know I shouldn't really care that much, but <laughs> I mean, don't go down that road. Say <laughs> <laughs> like all of our lives. It's it really bugs me in sci-fi films about aliens, where either. They are real or they're hoaxed yeah. and made to look real. That they look like cartoon alien like like the odds that an yeah. alien would look like what humans think aliens would look like if they existed or, is so low. Yeah. Why what, like why constantly go to that that image, that iconic image of the large head and the large eyes and the thin body, like that's that's been created by us. Based on nothing, so why? So it, come, create... it comes from a specific thing. It's a bit like Santa Claus, like just one idea, yeah. and it kind of snowballed. Yeah, <laughs> pardon the pun. Um, um, like that, that. That's why I love films like Arrival, where they, you know, the aliens in Arrival are a c- completely unrecognizable thing, and they're made to look like they're they're you know made from biological materials that aren't mm-hmm. even anything that we can imagine, and think you know, like like make the effort. To be realistic about what an alien may or may not look like if, if extraterrestrial life exists out there somewhere, it would probably be something that we couldn't even comprehend or even look at because it's nothing that's been of this earth. But what they've done here in and and without giving too much away, you know, you know what 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 they've done, the, the the people who have designed this alien is watch Roswell High and yeah. gone, yeah, okay, we'll do that. Yeah. Cause it's like if if you're gonna try and convince people that you've discovered a real alien, don't make it look like a cartoon alien, like which is what this is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that just that's just a thing that bugs me in sci-fi in and, general. But then she says, Maddie, she gives it a look and she she says, "Hmm, it's got a slight look of a Millwall supporter I once dated." Yeah. Like, right. Are you now saying all Millwall supporters are, are skinheads and ugly thugs? I mean, yeah, yeah. there's a history there, I suppose, <laughs> of, of racism within Millwall Football yeah, yeah, Club. I mean, yeah, I think that's David Rennick doing another insensitive joke, but also. Why, why is Maddie not more shocked at the fact that it's an alien? Why is... Oh, she's again, fine about it. Like, the trope of Maddie McKellen of being, like, constantly going for a one-liner no matter the situation she's in. But she's also a human being that would have real <laughs> emotional reactions to things rather than just always going for the bloody gag, David. Yeah, but then when you do... When, when, yeah, but you don't say that. Well, he's not, it's not happening live, so it's fine. But I, you don't want to encourage him because last time she had a real emotional reaction was Black Canary and she got out of the car <laughs> and was about to vomit. Okay, yeah, pick a middle lane, David. Yeah, there needs to be a middle lane. Um, but yeah, she's not phased at yeah. all. Um, uh, so yeah, so then, and he's like, oh, I'm, 
uh, if you want to take a few photos, maybe, um, I'll send you the copy later, which was a weird <laughs> detail that we didn't... Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, was it the copy? I uh, Yeah, I, I, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Because he kind of says it quite quickly. Um, and I thought he meant, I'll send you copies later if you don't have time no i think something. he said the the copy the to copy. go with the pictures right yeah. okay which again is is a phrase for example that i wasn't really aware of until we started you know making theater and yeah. having to market stuff so it's like there's a large sway of the audience that aren't gonna know what copy is yeah. yeah um it's basically a blurb for those of you who don't actually yeah. know yeah. listening to this but um but it's not like a widely used words that go, phrase outside that go. of if you're not in the world of, of marketing or anything like that. But anyway. Well, I just don't know why he wants her to take pictures in this photograph. I mean, they've gone to the trouble of lighting it with a lighting designer. So maybe that's why. I, but I mean, he's already got p- pictures, right? I, he's already got photos. I, I want to have a... This is a bigger conversation, I think, probably at the end of the podcast when we've said everything in, that's happened in the episode. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm really confused about, like, the wider aspect of this entire episode of yeah. what of why they're doing it. So we need to have that conversation later because <laughs> okay. that's part okay. of that as well. Um, <laughs> we'll come to that, guys. But Maddie um, says, yeah, I'll take some pictures. And yeah. then she says, oh, bugger, I've left my camera in the car. Um, and she goes off to the car. I got really... I felt really, for some reason, affronted when she said bugger because I felt like it was really inappropriate for that moment with that guy. Yeah. And the, what the situation was. That she was, was like, undermining it. swearing? It's not needed. I did find it a bit nostalgic because you don't hear the word bugger at all no. anymore. I know. For various, you know, very but well-founded reasons. It was just something very informal to mm. this very dramatic, well-lit uh, meeting that's happened to just kind of be, yeah, like, oh, bugger, I forgot, okay, all right. So she goes back and gets a camera. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then when she comes back, suddenly we've got the American army yeah, turning American up in Jeep. Hummers and American yeah. Jeeps, and yeah. there are, like, loads of them, loads of them. Yeah. And they cock guns, and then out of one of the Hummers comes this wonderful G.I. character, mm-hmm. Smoking a cigarette called Captain Candy. Captain Candy, played by Michael Brandon, um, who is most famous for playing uh, Dempsey in the 80s TV series Dempsey and Makepeace, which is like an 80s detective duo uh, romantic I've heard of it, I've never seen it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, Before our time a bit. But uh, yeah, it's... um, uh, And yeah, I mean, he's a huge career, been in in loads of stuff. Uh, He was like the... The studio exec in the first series of episodes, right, and things like that. I think, and yeah, um, I think Captain America. I think of the Marvel film, like he's been in quite big, big stuff. Yeah, big actor. Um, and uh, but yeah, I think he's generally he's one of like there's a few American character actors that have basically been most of their career in Britain. Like there's mm. a few of those kind of knocking around. He's one of those guys that was like, or like in. I've just remembered something else. He's in. What? What do you think? I don't know. The greatest television series ever made. Tiger King? No. Hustle. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's in an episode of Hustle. This has got to stop. He's in an episode of Hustle. We can add him, along with Rob Jarvis, to the Venn diagram, my favourite Venn diagram of all, which is actors that have appeared in both Hustle and Jonathan Creek. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right in the middle. It is a good Venn diagram. I'll give you that. But this is what I mean. Like, British 
television series that needed American ca- actor. <laughs> yeah. They kind of call on him. <laughs> they call on That's him. basically been his career. Um, but yeah, he's and he's he's great <clears throat> in this. Um, but there, I, are, there are loads of them. They come out and he get and he, he's there and there's kind of a thing of him lighting his Lucky Strikes American cigarette. It's like the Americans have come to town. Yeah. And it's really dramatic. It's like suddenly he goes a bit Hollywood. I mean, like with no budget. Yeah. But I mean, that you've got gunshots and there the are people shouting and Maddie's kind of cowering in the corner and she almost drops her camera and she drops a piece of film. And, yeah. Um, it's really high stakes. Anyway, and they they are in the process of stealing this alien from John Shrapnel. Yeah. Um, as he suspected they would. Yeah. To, we don't know why, but anyway, his paranoia has been proved right for yeah. this. Uh, yeah. For the purposes of this, um, and then they see Maddie, um, and there's a, an American GI huge giant. Yeah. Who spots her, and he cocks his gun and takes a shot at her. Yeah. Like he actually, and then she shoots at her. Yeah. And, and then she runs like away. There's action chasing. She's yeah. driving away. And there's, uh, there's a point where uh, one of the American GIs jumps from the Jeep and hangs onto the back of her car. And I was like, what am I watching? I don't know what's what going is, on is... here. But it's suddenly very, yeah, jump cutty. Maybe a nod to the American uh, stylings of maybe making I think Keith it, Washington there. I think it shows in, now that we're into season three, how much power David Rennick has. And he's just like, oh, I've always fancied making an American action movie. I'm just going to mm. write this episode and the Bee will pay me to like yeah. do it. Fine. Um, but yeah, just really weird and out of character. I don't know why there's that much American military there. I don't know why the American military's base happens to be really close to this warehouse yeah it's really convenient um and then uh maddie gets away right cut long story maddie short. gets away and um, we know that the next day she's yeah. meant to be meeting jonathan for yeah. a book signing mm. and he actually says on the phone oh i can get, get quite into this book signing you know you know yeah. I, I was averse can to i also it, say I? when when she's on the phone She's looking through the developed photographs that she took. How? Where did she go? Well, very the... quick. One hour. One hour development, right? But yeah. in the middle of the night. I mean, I mean, it's very weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that has happened. No. Um, also, the film she dropped and left uh, in the bunker. Oh, so yeah. she also didn't have the film to take the <laughs> pictures with. So I, there's no way that happened. But yeah, she's doing that. Um, and then Jonathan, so they agreed to meet two o'clock. For yeah. The, uh, oh, oh. Also, just there's also a bit in that where there's it. it um, John Shrapnel is on the phone to Maddie. Oh, because yeah. I remember being really confused as to why he wasn't arrested yeah, uh, no. by the military. Why yeah. did they? Let, why did they it just let them no go? Sense. Why did they let them go? So they're shooting at, at Maddie McGillan, who they yeah. don't know who that is, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just some passerby. Right, they're shooting at they jump on a Volvo. Yeah, a yeah. big action sequence trying to get to Maddie. But the guy who actually has all the information on this alien and has been researching it and has discovered it and essentially owns it. Yeah. That, no, they're not bothered by him at all. They just no, let him go. No, this is why I actually remembered the episode a bit wrong. I mean, I remembered, I remembered the the mystery and how it was done. Yeah. But in my head. I'd remembered that, that the whole thing was some kind of setup with the military as well. Because that makes more sense. Because, <laughs> because that, that's oh. why they let him go. Yeah. But, uh, spoiler, no. they That's just, it's just bad writing again. Yeah, it, it makes no sense why they let 
the the scientist um, uh, Lance go, um, yeah. but they do, and um, we think Maddie's kind of gotten away with it, and um, that's fine. And then the next day, Jonathan doesn't turn up for the book signing. Why? Yeah, uh, because the American military have come to his windmill and yeah told him that um, that they that they need him because because the uh, Captain Candy's niece. I just yeah. find hard to some, follow the story. Some some kid in the base. Some some someone at base's ne- kid sees yeah. this guy on telly. I'm like, why is someone in America? Watching, watching like the one show. Watching the British one show yeah. and seeing Jonathan Creek and going, this guy's really cool. Well, maybe they're just particularly into magic. Yeah, no, I don't I, know. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous that that would have got to him, and and that he's gone. Oh, okay. I'll I'll take I'll a child's. <laughs> well, I'll take third information from a child that this is the guy I need to solve the mystery of a disappearing. Extraterrestrial. Yeah, of course. Um, because of course we haven't actually said. Yeah. When they get back to the base. Yes. The alien that was put into the crate has disappeared. Has gone. If you hadn't got that already. Empty perspex yeah. box. Yeah. That they bring out. So yeah. So they. That and that. That's the mystery. The mystery the episode, is to find out how the alien disappeared from a sealed yeah. um, box. Strangely, not why there's an alien. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's why the aliens disappeared. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so so they take Jonathan to the base, um, and he's looking around, and uh, he has a conversation with Captain Candy, and he's like, um, and they say, oh, I think it all lies with this with this woman, um, and he's like, oh, have you heard of Lance Grauman? Mm. That's where we got the alien from, and he's like, oh yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> so he's like, oh okay, I guess now we know that he's someone not to be trusted or something like. Well, he's a he's famous. Yeah, because we then yeah. learn that yeah. he's got all these books yeah. and he's yeah. he's a he's a world famous yeah. conspiracy alien scientist theorist yeah. that everyone knows about. And Jonathan's like, yeah, I've got his number. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a funny one. Yeah. Don't quite believe everything he says. Kind of attitude. Yeah, I'm like, well, well, why is he lurking in doorways <laughs> trying to get hold of a quite unsuccessful crime journalist? Yeah. Like, um, speaking of which, Maddie is at this book signing. Alone, mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, as I say, on the way to this book signing, which I, I don't think is in London, but fine, um, she sees her a cardboard cutout of her head on top of a drain, and she looks around, and there's a stand of Jonathan and Maddie with Maddie's head ripped off outside this bookshop where yeah. the signing is, and there are these teenage girls taking it in turns to pose with him, pretending that they're Maddie. So, so Jonathan's now like a heartthrob. Yeah, apparently in twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, one of the teenage girls is Charlie Brooks. This this is and Janine I said, who's, from EastEnders. Yeah, I was trying to remember who she played in EastEnders. I didn't really watch EastEnders that much. No, I don't. Them. But I just know that she yeah she was Janine and she pushed Barry off a off a cliff or something. Killed, yeah, murdered murdered Barry. I saw her um, in the pantomime this year. Ah um, yes, she was very good as the uh, evil witch in yeah. Sleeping Beauty. Very good. Well, this is obviously yeah very very early. Uh, role for her because she's yeah hardly in it just a couple of lines Fair um enough. yeah uh, and so yeah maddie is uh clearly been stood up by jonathan doesn't know yeah. why but obviously we do because we've seen him be back take, at the base yeah took off with the military um so and then it goes like, b- i need some time to to you know work this out yeah um, um I, I, and there's a line that captain candy says to him where he says 
everything you saw in an Oliver Stone movie is true. Right. Is it? Because surely if if what you're trying to say is like things aren't as they seem and yeah. you know, there are all these all these conspiracy theories that are right about it's weird that Oliver Stone got it right. Like it's weird that the conspiracy <laughs> theories aren't different to what like yeah, it's pretty likely that there's a lot going on that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. It's quite unlikely that a film director guessed correctly <laughs> yeah. about how JFK was murdered. Like I'm like, what what? Yeah, it is a stupid line. Yeah. But it's I mean it's it's a stupid it's a it's a stupid line in a sea of stupid lines, isn't it? But yeah, but yeah um, a, a great example of a uh, stupid writing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so anyway they, they let Jonathan go, but they don't let him go alone, do no, they? No. They the guy who already we recognised because we had a close up of him trying to shoot Maddie yeah. is this giant. And his, <laughs> and his name <clears throat> his name is Sergeant Krobotnik. Crobotnik. Yeah. He's Dr. Robotnik. Dr. Robotnik. From yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. right? Yeah. That's yeah. exactly I was like, yeah. that's... Dr. Robotnik. Yeah. And I had to wait until he said, said it a second time. It was like, Crobotnik. Okay, Crobotnik. How lazy is that? Yeah, because... Because... Because David Rennick's, like, nephews were round his house playing Sonic the Hedgehog video game and he walked through to get some bird food for his bird yeah, feeder. Yeah, of course, yeah. Overheard and went, Robotnik, oh, That'll Robotnik, do. fine, yeah. Put just, in there. just that, the lack of care over everything he does in yep. his life. So now, Dr. Robotnik, wow. So now Dr. Robotnik is following... Jonathan Creek around. He says, "Don't worry, he's very good at blending in, uh, mm-hmm. despite the fact he's a giant." So he's wearing what looks like kind of, you know, when cricketers have tea time, and yeah. they'll put like casual t- clothes on to keep warm. Yeah. It's that, but in the fifties, he's wearing that. <laughs> he's wearing casual cricket wear um, in order to blend in with critic with British culture, I assume it's a kind of jibe at Americans big, but specifically those colours. Yeah. Um, and he's not very good, is he? At kind of no. doing, being a sergeant. He keeps, you know, because Jonathan realises that Maddie, this is them turning up to the book signing and the teenagers are all asking for autographs and he sees Maddie, obviously, because he's there to meet her, but he's worked out that they're trying to get to her. Yeah. So... He has to kind of distract them away. And this is very distractible, this yeah. sergeant. He's oh, an yeah. idiot, yeah, actually. He, yeah. he even sees Maddie because he turns and looks at her. Yeah. And then Jonathan calls yeah. him back and he looks back and doesn't clock that doesn't it's the person the he person. was trying to shoot 24 hours earlier. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Um, so, yeah. So, we go uh, back to back to Jonathan's um, and uh, he's on the phone to Maddie and he's like, oh, I'll try and... I'll try and lose him. I'll well, try and... before that, yeah. though, we've got Krobotnik standing over him. Yeah. He's changed out of his cricket um, afternoon cricket attire yeah. into his back, uniform. Back into now. the army uniform. Yeah. Um, he says, "You can sit down if you want." And he's like, uh, "He's like, oh, I've always thought um, that herbal tea is really good, good for the uh, cerebral activity. Um, I think I'll go make a bit of chamomile." Is chamomile famous for making you f- for cerebral activity, or is it famous for making you go to sleep, like Peter Rabbit? Yeah. It's famously yeah. chill out. Yeah, if you can't is. sleep, yeah. chamomile tea. It's the opposite <laughs> of that. Um, so weird. Um, and then the sergeant says, "Oh no, you keep keep cerebral 
cerebralizing, yeah. I'll go and make the tea. So he goes yeah. off and makes the tea for presumably about 15 minutes. I yeah. mean, he's let it brew for a long time. I don't know how he's an expert in chamomile tea. But anyway, that happens. It allows him to make this phone call yeah. to Maddie. Stupid yeah. little bit of drama. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that happens. He makes the phone call to Maddie. He's like, oh. Um, and Maddie's like, oh, I think we should go and pay a visit to uh, John Shrapnel. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't say that. <laughs> Says Lance Groundman. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll try and lose the escort. Yeah. Um, so... You see that, and that's the end of the conversation. It cuts back to him coming in with the tea. The sergeant. Dr. Krobotnik uh, coming <laughs> in with the tea and noticing Jonathan's gone. Looks, there's a rope dangling down, and he sees uh, a van, um, like a pickup truck. Pickup truck, thank you. Uh, drive off. And so he's like, oh, rats, he's got away. And uh, obviously runs scales out. down this rope scales, very, sorry, yeah, very scales madly. Down the rope and then Like he's gets, never done it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um, gets into his Hummer. Gets into the Hummer and, and follows him off. And then, uh, as we were all expecting, because it's so telegraphed, yeah. Jonathan comes out and he's on the phone. He goes, yeah, thanks, Ron. Uh, just take him up by so-and-so farm and by the, and the sheep dip. Yeah. And that should be enough to lose him. I was like, Ron, whoever Ron is, is very, very trusting. Yeah. Or, like, owes Jonathan a massive favour. Because it's like, sorry... Sorry, mate. Um, I just need you to. I'm being su- um, under surveillance yeah. by the American military. Yeah. Um, there's going to be an American military officer in a Hummer chasing your vehicle. Um, I just need you to like lo- lose them. What? I mean, that's also quite a difficult thing to do. Like, I've seen drive. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. To get away, driver. Yeah. And it's that conversation takes place in the space of him making the tits. So I, yeah. I don't know who Ron is. Uh, but fine. Um. So anyway, that's yeah. great. He loses them. So then Jonathan um, so, goes yeah. to Maddie and says, "I but they've asked me. In, so you were contacted by um, Lance. Lance. Yeah. I was contacted by the American military and we're both embroiled in this case. I'm like, oh, for goodness. Yes, it's obviously. Ri- yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, because you wouldn't have an episode if those coincidences didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so they go, they go to Lance Grauman's. Um, Who's again still not arrested? Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> got a question for you. <laughs> Who does David Rennick think Lance Grauman is? Like, is he like a scientist with a lab, yeah. or is he David Icke? Like, uh, because like, right. why, like, why is he? Why? Why does he seem to have like genuine medical um, and scientific qualifications? Yeah, but. Is has the mentality of either a genuine, like, uh, mystic kind of person, or, or as we come to learn, is like a a, a shyster. Yeah, like, well, why I, is yeah. he also a doctor? Like, I'm, I I completely had the same question. I think I think in my head I went, oh right, oh okay, so he's like a David Ike. I just went straight to that. And I went, oh no, but he's not because of this and his lab. So he's like, if if David Icke had the qualifications and esteem of um, uh, uh, Richard Dawkins, that's who I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, yeah. if everyone went, oh, Richard Dawkins, he's an idiot with his, you know, physics and yeah. his, you know, evolution. Like, if if Richard Dawkins was was someone who was a controversial scientist. <laughs> 
Which, yeah. which he isn't, unless you're like a Christian. Yeah. In which yeah. case you can be a bit annoyed by all science. But I mean, he's not. He's just yeah. a researcher. He's a yeah. fellow at Cambridge University. Like, yeah. So I think he's a, he's imagined a cross between like David Icke and, and someone like Richard Dawkins and put them in together and said to John Shrapnel, you can make that work, can't you? And he went, well, I'll get paid. Um, <laughs> but they have this kind of discussion about what he does. So we get more context and more background, yeah. which again is just a bit confusing, like you pointed out. Who is this man? But he's written a lot of books. Yeah. They've made all these book jackets with really like punny titles. Like, yeah. what? Like, what? I don't know. I don't think that was necessary. No. Um, and, uh, and, and they're talking to him. And, 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 and John and his assistant, uh, Lance and his assistant, talk about how they believe in aliens because whilst it's difficult for us in a three-dimensional world to imagine fourth or fifth dimensions, what if there was a sixth dimension that yeah. transcended space and time? I'm yeah. like, well, why is this alien having to depend on the sixth dimension? Like, yeah. there's nothing to do with this case. Actually, you're, what you're doing is leading us into... You're explaining something we don't know about yet, which is that your assistant hears voices and yeah. is mentally ill. Yeah. Like, I, this isn't necessary. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose it's to pull on heartstrings for things that happen at the end yeah. of the episode. Yeah. To give us some kind of motivation for why we're all at this ridiculous episode. <laughs> I don't know. So, it's <laughs> a bit where he goes, and he says something like that, of course, you know, what things will be uncovered now we're in the 21st century, and... And it's all, and it feels like that's a lead into what he's about to do, which yeah. is very carefully open some sort of cryogenic freezer, and with yeah. tongs he pulls out this white orb-shaped thing, oval orb, and Maddie's like, "Oh, is it another alien or EBE as they're calling them yeah. in this uh, episode? Um, Extraterrestrial biological entity. Entity. Um, Why did you cut the T from that? Extraterrestrial." E-T-B-E. 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 Yeah. Yeah. E-T-B-E. Yeah. But they always say E-B-E. Although maybe extraterrestrial is one word, actually. It's hyphenated, isn't it? I don't know. I think it might be one word. Well, that doesn't that mean that E-T is a stupid name for an alien? Yeah. Right. And then John Trapnell's reply is, no, it's my lunch. And then, which is which is obviously it's a gag, yeah. um, and then it cuts to him with what we assume is an egg sandwich. Right? Well, he drops the egg into a test into tube a test with tube such of... force. Yeah, like I'm like that egg's gonna crack, and it's being yeah. lit by a Bunsen burner. So it's like everything this guy does is science. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he he has some like toast uh, that he shakes some oil on. And it's yeah. in a test tube. And yeah. It's like so. It's meant to kind of say that he's obsessed by science. And everything he does is science. But what? But, but why? Why? Why is he? Why is he making his lunch like that? I don't know. Because the lab's in his own home, so it's more work. It's more work for himself to do that than just go into his kitchen and make a sandwich. I spent a lot of time trying to work out what oil he was putting on bread to go with egg. <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know what the lunch was, and I certainly don't know why it was made in his lab, other than for the purposes of the of the joke yeah, of, of Maddie course. misunderstand not Maddie misunderstanding what an egg is, um, which is fine. Um, and then they do a thing that <laughs> is just it's just bad, like editing. It's just bad narrative structure, which is that that scene ends. Uh, with him going, oh, come round for dinner, and then it's 
still there, but later, like it feels like there needs to be a scene somewhere else to then come yeah. back to them to show the passing of time rather than scene with all the same people in the same location, cut to scene with all people in the same location a couple of hours later. Like it's just, just felt really clunky to me. It was a bit clunky. And also it meant that he's not a scientist. He's obsessed by science and does everything with science stuff because actually they sit down and have a three course meal in what is <laughs> yeah. quite a grand dining room. Yeah. And then we move on I was to... Also like, Why are you talking about your dinner whilst you're eating your lunch? Yeah. That's all you think about food. Oh, you're obs- obsessed, <laughs> mate. Down. You're absolutely obsessed. <laughs> um, so they have dinner and then um, the assistant says, oh, I'll do the washing up. And Maddie says, oh, I'll help you. Um, and I was like, oh, is that in order to, you know, distract or like... Actually, I think, no, I think it's just because... It's sexist and went in and do the washing up together, isn't it? Yeah. Because actually Jonathan and Lance have a much more interesting discussion. Yeah. Which yeah. is all about science. It's like, now the men are here and the women have gone. Let's go into the drawing room, have a brandy. But they don't go into the drawing room. They take this nice little walk in the garden. Yeah, with their brandy. With their br- huge brandy goblets. And, yeah. Um, it's very kind of like oldie worldy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they, it's just, I feel like John... Shrapnel made David Rennick write this scene so no, he could do some acting, right? I absolutely thought he was like, let's, let's get into the characters that's here. That's what this is, because it felt so unlike anything in any other episode of Jonathan Creed. Yeah. Like, what, what's this now? But I, I really enjoyed it. I know it was hammy, but it was a really nice... I love this I, idea I well, of yeah. having this discussion with the, you know, the perpetrator, who's Lance, and the... It's, it, and and, but well, it, it's Sherlock we and that, Moriarty. It's isn't Sherlock it? and Moriarty having the discussion mm-hmm. about who's smarter. Yeah, and 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 we learn that Jonathan's theory is all, of course, that um, that Lance Grauman uh, has staged the whole thing. Yeah, he just doesn't know how he's done it, and you can tell Lance is kind of getting off on yeah. you know praising him, and I, I really enjoyed that whole trope. Um, and then he gives Jonathan a clue. Yeah, right. So 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 the whole crux of this conversation it was a very nice scene i i agree with you um w- was about was about lance grauman not not going to give in to jonathan going yeah. i've got your number and he was just continuing to fake the yeah no i really believe in this stuff you know you've got you know mm-hmm. you never know we don't know what's out there all that stuff and then he just goes, and then literally at the end just decides to give up and goes he goes wow yeah no give me more credit than that and he's like, oh, so you're saying that it that I am right? It was a trick. And he's like, well, oh, you'll have I, to work harder. You'll have than to that, work Jonathan. harder than that. But in a universe full of everything, maybe I can put you in the right direction. And he says, uh, he he says, uh, gives him a clue. And the clue is one of the ni- look to one of the nine planets, one that's very cold. Yeah. And admittedly. I probably got it instantly because I did have seen this episode yeah, in my yeah. life before. But I feel like even the first time I saw this episode as a child, it wouldn't have taken me that long to get to Mercury. It's a such an easy clue. And and yeah. they make so much of how it would have confounded most men, is what he says at one yeah, point in the episode. Yeah. I was like, it's, would have it's defeated, defeated, an, defeated most, most men. men. It's such an easy clue. One of the nine planets... One, the first planet of the nine. It's Mercury a and elements crossword cold. clue yeah, yeah. that Jonathan's meant to be really good with. So, yeah, one of nine would... Act, if it was a crossword thing. clue, it's I absolutely would have got that. It's an easier clue than anything he's got before that he's... Like, 
Like, remember the scented room? He works oh. that out instantly. Yeah. That's the whole point. He works out instantly and doesn't tell him. This incredibly simple cryptic crossword clue, for days of him wrestling with it. I'm like, yeah. what? Come on. Like, you, you get this. You get this in five minutes. Uh, and then uh, he's back at Maddie's trying to work it out just the clue. Feels... He opens up a child's book of planets in order to <laughs> yeah, try and help him does. get there. I'm like, is that a penguin? Is that like a... That's a kid's book, right? I just feel like he, he being David Rennick, wrote that clue as a placeholder to go, I'm going to work harder and think yeah. of a more elaborate clue. And then just never out of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's well, it. They took the paper away. I was just saying, it's, it's hard when you're writing on set as they film yeah. it. So uh, he also drank the brandy really fast yeah. because he had a full brandy and he took one sip. This is Jonathan. Took one sip. Uh, and then they talked. And then they years. talked for a bit. And then he went, oh, I'll get you another brandy. And I was like, when did he finish the rest of it? I was like, I was suspicious about the offer of a second brandy yeah. to the point where I went, oh, I've forgotten something about him being poisoned or, yeah. you know, I thought, is that the I, the point? I don't know. Oh, yeah. It felt like that's what he was about to do because it was offered in such a sinister way. But I think that was just, again, John Trapman having fun with the part, <laughs> chewing the scenery. Now... This happens, they go home from dinner, yes. um, and Maddie, suddenly overcome with tiredness, says, oh, I set the alarm for Christmas, I'm all aliened out, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Okay, I don't yeah. know why he's so tired. Uh, so she goes to bed, and Jonathan stays on her sofa. But he goes for a walk first. Ah, Jonathan so he, does. Yes. Yeah, he so he misses. Like, oh, I'm going to go and clear my head and try and work out what this clue means. Apparently I'm an idiot now. Uh, and Maddie and Maddie says, "Yeah, I'll, I'm shattered. I'm going up to bed." So Jonathan isn't there when the military show up and arrest Maddie because yeah. apparently the they have the jurisdiction yeah. to do that. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Jonathan, as you say, finds the child's book of planets that Maddie has in her house for some bizarre reason. Yeah, um, and makes a note of them as a notebook. He still can't get it. Cut to the next day. He's asleep on the sofa, gets a phone call from Maddie. Yeah. Um, saying, come on, you've got to come down here. Uh, help me. I've been arrested. Yeah. And then there's a shot of him entering what I think, what I think is meant to be the American embassy, because I don't know what else it would be, but it's like a Georgian townhouse with an American flag outside. I was like, that's in no way is that the American embassy. But also, no. it's also not like a secret American location on British shore, like it's yeah. a, it's a Georgian townhouse in like Pimlico with with a, an American flag outside it. Like, I don't know what that's. But also, we know that's not where Maddie is because Maddie's Maddie's out, in a it, jail. In a, yeah, which I think is meant to be underneath or in the basement of this building Jonathan's just walked into. Yes, yeah, but it's not the because the exterior of... shot is all this fencing with wire barbed wire on the top. Yeah, so all of that must be happening inside the compound <laughs> for this to work. <laughs> Keep doing these exterior shots, telling us where we are, yeah. and it's not the same they place. Don't add up at all. But yeah, and there, I mean, there also there's so another like, there's another interview of Maddie. I was like, if this is meant to be the American embassy, why would they have a jail? No, no I, I don't know I why. Work out. I don't know why. Um, and I don't I don't think any of it's legal. But you know, hey, they, when aliens are involved, yeah. you know, they've got. Unlimited powers and limited resources, as um, Captain Candy explains to Maddie yeah. um, when he interrogates her the first time. Then, obviously, Jonathan goes to pick yeah. her up, and I'm like, 
what, to, to bail her? Yeah. Because yeah. there's, what, what, there's no reason for him to be there because they're not going to release either of them. Yeah. And but then and then he's just in the cell with her. Yeah, because he's run away from them, right? So he's run away from them. Yeah. So, so he's voluntarily giving, he's voluntarily she's going inside. She called him and said, "You've got to come and hand yourself in because I'm in here. Since the only way that we can get out is for both of us to be." I, I, yeah, it, there's it, no logic there. If I was Jonathan, I'd say, "Love you, no. Maddie," but you know, <laughs> not going to happen. Um, and then they interview Maddie a second time, whilst Jonathan goes off and has a look to you know. So, yeah, so Jonathan works it out yeah. in the cell. You see this, cell. he's looking at the book and he, he, he one of nine yeah. is uh, the thing that he suddenly says and realises and, and, yeah, you can, he does the look on his face where he's worked it out and he says, no way could he have done something like that. And so, yeah, you know, he's got it. Um, and then, yeah, as you're saying, yeah, they interview Maddie a second time which and we learn no new information about that at all it's just no. an opportunity for captain candy to have some more lines that paint america in a bit of a bad light really but he also says oh and you know you you better not uh sell, sell this to oh. one of, to one of your rupert murdoch outlets and i was like oh that trope of the, of the left wing american soldiers like, why is he like, what? I, I agree with you, but yeah. why is that the character? Like, why is your character suddenly anti-Rupert Murdoch media? And also, into the noughties, yeah. Rupert Murdoch's been running Fox News and Australian Empires on yeah. Fox for, yeah. like, for years at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so, I don't think an American would see Rupert Murdoch, who's yeah. Australian, as a British Ridiculous, ridiculous. Like, I think you'd see it as, oh, well, what's Rupert Murdoch's biggest thing? Well, Fox News. Oh, right, well, that's an American thing. Like, it's not a British trope, so it doesn't make any sense either. Um, And then, yeah, and it's it's unnecessary. My point was that we don't need those two book-ending scenes, like, in that section. Yet, why are there not scenes coming earlier on that break up the action, like when we're back at the scientist's house. There's no logic as to why they're spending the time and money on the things that they're spending the time and money money on again. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah. So Jonathan then uh, interrupts Maddie and Captain Candy uh, comes back in with Dr. Robotnik mm -hmm. and says, uh, yeah, I know. I know how it's uh, done. Done. Worked it out. Um, And he's like, great, tell us. And he says... Uh, you've got to give me $100,000. Yeah. If I remember, you said, you know, all the resources at your disposal of the American government, I'm sure you can spare that kind of thing. And he goes, well, I have to make sure that you're telling the truth first. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it cuts, like a time passing cut of back to Maddie, still in that office being asleep. Yeah. And they come back in and she woke up and he's like, oh yeah, it's all. And so she was awesome. asleep when, she, when we met her in the cell, when Jonathan arrived. Yeah. She was exhausted beforehand. Mm. She's now asleep again. Like, is this trauma sleep? Like, uh, uh, she, stress sleeping? She's got ME. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She might She might do. Yeah. Um, uh, no, but it's, it's odd that she's sleeping all the time. Maybe it's stress-induced or ME. Right? I mean, she is dead. <laughs> she did die at the end of that. <laughs> so maybe it's that to builder's do with... Disposal that, shoot. When that, when that United States Marine in the last episode killed her. Yeah. Maybe... I wonder if he knows these army guys. Maybe they're related. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Actually, having said that, I'm pretty sure it's the same building as used for the American embassy as was used for... The Swiss bank account for office. For Craig Downey's yeah. office. It's just the same exterior shot that you put a flag on the front of it. 
got rid of the scaffolding. So he tells them. So then they head to the home of Lance Grauman again to do the reveal. Because Who still we don't... hasn't been found by this... Yeah, why, again, why? They, they don't care about They've him for some reason. They've kept him in a cell for like but a I, day. I, I think it's odd that they've decided i don't know if it's good or bad i just think it's an odd choice that they decided to not do the reveal with the military which is what we've been watching the episode to be about why yeah. they chose to do the reveal to to shrapnel i guess so he could be like oh my plan was foiled yeah but still um so anyway yeah they they turn up to uh shrapnel's house Graman's house um and uh he's realizes that jonathan's cracked it so he sends away his colleague and Maddie's like, oh, I'll go with her to do this errand that you've just told her to do. Yeah. Um, fine. Uh, so that, um, yeah, Shrapnel and, and Jonathan can have... Another little walkie-talkie Little walkie-talkie. And, yeah, Jonathan's like, of course, took me a while, and this is when we get the would have defeated most men thing. Um, and then he goes, I've worked it out. I was thinking about cold planets, mm. but what you meant was... Mercury, because Mercury is one of nine. It's the first of the nine planets to the sun. And although the planet itself is the hottest, Mercury, the element, is very cold. And it's very unusual because it can remain a liquid uh, up until minus 38 degrees centigrade mm. um, is when it turns into a solid. And then we see a little kind of flashbacky sequence of how the alien was made. Now, my question to you... How did they make the alien in the first place? Absolutely. I racked my brains on how this... They couldn't have done. No. They couldn't have done because they were, like, moulding this thing. And yeah. Like, and and in, in nowhere oh. in those flashbacks of it being made were they in a freezer. No. It was not being made would have had under to have cold conditions. In minus 37 yeah, degrees. So they would have been in hazmat suits. Yeah. They would have been... But no, it's just a, it's just a bloke. It's just some that's a stranger as well. No one that we've talked about in the episode previously. Some guy sculpting with the it? same fridge that he kept his egg in. Yeah, like literally that was it. Yeah, so um, I, yeah, complete rubbish. Yeah. So, but he yeah, said so complete rubbish. But the problem is the whole episode falls apart. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. whole episode falls apart. If yeah. they can't have made it in the first place out of mercury, then how can it be made out of mercury? Yeah, it can't be. But we know, because there's a little flashback of Jonathan looking through the hole, we know that he sees silvery liquid, yeah. quicksilver, in the bottom tray of yeah. the... Which apparently no one's looked at. Why yeah. haven't they looked at this yeah. thing? <laughs> um, yeah, so so we know that it was made out of mercury, but they they know we know that the way they showed us in the reveal yeah. isn't how they made it, because that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. That's my compromise. Okay. Okay, so there we go. It was made of mercury, and of course, because it wasn't in a cold uh, condition anymore, it melted. Um, because it was on a stand that was very cold. Yeah. Um, and apparently the heat from the stage lighting they used didn't, didn't, melt it, didn't either, counteract no. that. Um, <laughs> fine. Um, so uh, then um, we cut a small scene with... Uh, John Shrapnel's friend and Maddie, where she learns that, that basically yeah. she's like, oh, if 
you know, he he's the only person that understands me. He's kind of saved me. I don't know what I do. If he was he ever ruined, then it would it be would the end of both, both of us. Yeah. I, there's a kind of almost underlying threat of suicide there. Yeah. Um, and because I hear voices, you know, Lance has made me realise that they're actually signals from an alien called Sargon. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I'm useful to his work and it's really good. Um, but the rest of the world just thinks I'm mad. <laughs> so... <laughs> We're, as an audience, being asked to have compassion for this mentally ill woman. Yeah. In letting her and and John Shrapnel carry on this kind of ruse, right, yeah. of fooling the world and being full of rubbish, rather than well, the more compassionate thing, which is to get her help. Yeah. And medicated and therapised yeah. and what... They're just saying it's it's better, it's more compassionate to just let her carry on thinking that she speaks to an alien called Sargon. I don't I don't think that is the right thing to do. I don't think it is. And I'm not sure Jonathan's convinced either, but Maddie says, come on, come on, that's that's enough. We've uh Yeah. Yeah, good luck with it. You know. Guys, let us know. Is it better to allow her to just kind of live in the lie of her world, or is it should she be getting some well, if she was a 90-year-old woman with dementia, then it'd be different. But she's, you know, she's like 35. You know, I think there's a lot of coming back from that. I think, you know, it's another damning indictment of the mental health uh, treatment in this country. Right. Uh, that and shopping rates, they're two big issues at the moment. And it's, it's, you know, that was from 2000. So 20 years on. So we get to the denouement of the episode. <laughs> and uh, we're back at the flat, Maddie's flat, Maddie and Jonathan, and um, Maddie seems just a little bit kind of short with him, and he's like, right, a well, little bit. She's very, very. very yeah. She's playing. God, oh, so, I mean, we talked about chewing the furniture, yeah, uh, before with with John Shrapnel being a lovely actor. I mean, it really is. It's so hammy. Maddie decides to just go, oh, do you know what? In the last two seconds of the episode, I'm just going to beat you with that. Huffing and puffing, yeah, the paper yeah. becomes like a musical instrument at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so Jonathan's like, right, well, I'll I'll go then. Right, bye then. She's like, yeah, yeah, fine. And then she says, just before he's about to walk out the door, mm-hmm. so did, did 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 they cough up then? Um, and he's like, what, what are you on about? And she's like, the $100,000. $100, and he goes, oh, yeah, they did actually. Guess it's just a drop in the you know it's, oh, it's a bit of a gamble, but yep. it's just a drop in the ocean to them, to the American government. And she's like, oh, it's just funny. I, I guess you don't really know someone old, but I'm sure you can use that money to, you know, entertain, entertain all your all teenage, teenage fans. Because remember, remember that subplot that Jonathan's now yeah. apparently a star, <laughs> um, but not in the next episode. He's not so again very short lived fame for Jonathan Creek apparently <laughs> um, as a teen heartthrob. Um, and uh, then uh, he's like, well, no, I don't think I'm going to. And she cuts off, goes, right, bye, see you later. And so he goes off and she's, you know, angry about him and puffing. And uh, But luckily, yeah. the camera pans to <laughs> yeah. the kittens in the cage. Yeah. And the camera panning to the kittens makes Maddie think <laughs> that there must be something going on with the kittens. Why is she suddenly interested in them? Oh, yeah, because the camera that went that way. I yeah, don't have the logic of it. It's ridiculous. It's a very good point. But she looks in the cage. Yeah, she looks in the cage and... She finds Joe Exotic. A... Yeah. <laughs> with a liger. 
<laughs> Doc Antle, he turns Doc, up. Oh, yeah. Um, so then uh, Maddie finds this letter in the cage's envelope and it's a cheque from Jonathan for £65,000, the amount of money the animal shelter needs. It says animal shelter on the envelope. Yeah. And she says, you bastard. And she's nearly crying, she's crying. but also you kind of bastard. like quite happily. Like, yeah. how dare you do such a nice thing that also, you know, would wind me up. Yeah. The £65,000. Have you got any questions at the end of this episode? Any questions? Yeah. Like, what happened to the £35,000? Well, no, 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 no. Because it's... Uh, I, I did think that initially. And I was like, well, no, it's $100,000. So in 2000, <gasps> that probably would... Be, actually, Ooh. would be... Actually, no, it would be... Right. This is a good point. Because I think in about 2000, it was still two to the one. exchange rate was about two to one. So he would have only have got about £50,000, right? That's so, not a bad point. Yeah. So he's put 15 grand... Uh, anyway. Maybe. Do you know, I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good point. He's mm. he's bumped it up to save the animal sanctuary. Yeah. Very interesting. I don't know. Um, any economists uh, that listen, do let us know what the exchange rate would have been in about 2000? I mean, we could Google it, but we're, we're really pushed for time at the moment during the stop <laughs> period. Um, um, no, yeah, no. That's interesting. No, my, my, my main questions at the end of this episode are why... <laughs> Why? Why? Why did any of it happen? Well, Jonathan was saying that they they were making an alien hoax in order to sell books. He said it's a t- a meal ticket for life. Right. So, okay. but he's already a really famous guy with eight or nine books out. Like, okay, okay, fine, fine. Why? How did the American military f- find out about it? Well, Jonathan says I, I wouldn't be surprised if you were the one who tipped them off. But we don't know whether he did or not. To get the press about it. Well. Or. No. Because why would you tip the military off when you know that they just confiscate the thing and it would be like. And he wanted Maddie there when it happened. He wanted the story to be about the American military taking our truths. Right. From us. Right. Okay. I didn't. I didn't get that. It's so, because they spoke a lot in metaphor, and I just got very yeah. bored of listening. Yeah, to it was her. a lot of metaphor. It was so flowery, but it's also flowery. not very strong. It, it means that you've gone, you've made an alien out of mercury, which I'm assuming is quite like an expensive material to yeah. make. Yeah, like thousands of pounds. I mean, they didn't know. They didn't make because they couldn't have done. <laughs> but they, but <laughs> okay, but in theory, they made yeah. this thing. It was cost them loads of money. Uh, and then, and, and they've done it in order to expose how the military take away alien secrets from British scientists. And they want the story to be about that. And they want, they want Maddie to write that story. Yeah. That's the motive. It's such a tiny, th- weird thing to do. It makes absolutely no real sense logically yeah. uh, at all. And, but then also, why do they then have to make it disappear? Like, that makes yeah. no sense. Like, in order to make it disappear, it doesn't make sense if you wanted the American military to steal it. Unless you just wanted to give them a head-scratcher. Yeah. I, um, why is this American military present? Like, I was, I was wondering, another question I had was, like, is this a... Is this, are we meant to believe this is a permanent military mm. presence that exists in... Like, this is a permanent US army base near 
where this is all happening in central London, apparently. Yeah. According to the address. I mean, there um, are, there are like, American bases, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Or, I'm, I'm, you know, there are American sections or British bases. Because it doesn't feel like his office is, like, a temporary... It feels like that's his permanent place where he is. Yeah. That they're not here specifically for that. Yeah. Which is weird. And then he, yeah, they, he packs up his lucky strikes and presumably goes back to Washington. Well, I don't know. Does he? Or I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he he's waits for another call. For a bat- maybe he's got I've... kids in school. Yeah, over here. Maybe the whole family of could be dual nationality by that point. <laughs> we don't really know. Um, it was a complete and utter waste of time for everyone involved in the episode. It, I yeah, it was. Yeah, I I remembered it and I did enjoy it. I can't. I did enjoy it because it's like there's not. But you frustrated me now. You pointed out how how there's real, really such a thin motivation for them doing it. Yeah, I just got a bit lost with that. Um, and it's, I was going to say it felt, it's it's a bit of a duplicitous episode because it does make you feel like it's quite tight and well-crafted. Mm. But actually, the motivation seems really non-existent and the, the, the method of them doing it, of the trick can't possibly happen. Yeah. So that's so they've 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 ticked the two big boxes that we get annoyed by at yeah. Creek, which is <laughs> disproving what you're trying to prove happened. Yeah. Uh and not coming up with any kind of real motivation for why you're doing it. They've done both in this episode. So actually I don't think it's a good one at all. It isn't a good one. Um and I also still don't understand why they call it the Omega Man. But right, because the alien was supposedly found in the painted desert near the town of Omega in New Mexico. Right. Is what John Shrapnel says at one point. So the American military couldn't couldn't find it. <laughs> in America. <laughs> and then it was shipped over by paleontology yeah. students. I mean, who also would clearly know that that's not a bone. Yeah. But he said he would have mocked up the video... And lied about it. Yeah, yeah, the video. They show a video of when it's supposedly discovered in the painted desert and puts a a woman puts her hand on it and gets burnt. Yeah. Heat burns. Which wouldn't have happened because it wouldn't have been made of mercury. Yeah. Yeah. So that's weird and doesn't make sense. Fine. A lot of problems, but um, it's not as good as I remembered. Um, I, I enjoyed some of the happy performances. Do you know what? I've always... uh, since Jonathan Creek aired in my head remembered this episode as being the one I liked the least really yeah um because it's aliens mate yeah just because it just it it does feel different it mm-hmm. feels different to any other Jonathan Creek episode it doesn't it's missing a bit of the charm it's missing i don't know it just yeah i uh, yeah yeah where's adam klaus i was just about to say is and he wasn't in the last one either. No. Are the hang on, because I might we might have to give them credit for this. Is it because he's on tour in France? Oh my goodness! If they uh, reference this, this actually when we come continuity. Back, if we this actually is continuity. Continuity in this episode. Then we're going to have to tip our hats for that. Don't tell us. We'll find out ourselves next week for the next episode. I I take back everything I said about all of Jonathan Creek. If Don't yet. Yeah. Don't okay, no, no, no. Hold. It's rushed. Wait. It's a rash decision. Otherwise, you know what will happen? You'll fall apart. I'll have to comfort <laughs> you for days. Um, interesting little 
bit of trivia uh, before we wrap up here. In the scene where Jonathan is uh, on the one show, whatever it is, and he's talking, and he starts to talk about another story uh, about a Victorian magician who pretended yeah. to be a, a Chinese magician. Um, apparently that's true. That person was real. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you are. William, yeah. um, William, his name was. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, apparently that's a, a real magician. Um, and he... Uh, died because uh, a magic trick, uh, a bullet catch trick went wrong. Oh, wow. And he said, I've been shot. And it was the first English words anyone had ever heard him utter. Oh, my go. goodness. That's a fantastic bit of Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, so that about wraps it up for another week. Uh, remember, um, we're not going to stop plugging it. Do look at our yeah. Patreon and do give us five pounds. And also, I would like you to donate five pounds so... To, to, to not to do a Patreon, but to not do one on the hustle, because I think that's what David's uh, angling for. Oh, apps for a start, it's hustle, not the hustle, <sighs> right? Uh, and secondly, again, I'll do that for free. If I, I'll pay, I'll pay anyone to let me do it. No, absolutely not. Um, in the meantime, if you have any opinions on any of that, you know where to find us. Yeah, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Macabre Podcaster. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, fb.me forward slash Podcaster Macabre. You can send us an email, podcastermacabre at gmail.com. Uh, and you can find us on Patreon. You and can... of course, all the platforms that you normally get uh, podcasts yeah. on. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Anchor, wherever you listen to us. In the meantime, I have been David Shockland. And I've been Callum Hughes. This has been Podcast of Macabre. Thank you for listening. See you later.